Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Okay, we will go ahead and get started here. My name is Sarah Van Wagner. I'm the Business Development and Marketing Coordinator with TMC. And I'm here today with Eric Levin, the co-founder of Model Match. Um, Eric, whenever you're ready, you can take it away. Again, this is the TMC Connect session, the key elements of an effective recruiting strategy. And if you do have any questions throughout the session, go ahead and drop them in the chat and we will answer them at the end. Yeah, awesome. Sarah, thank you for uh, inviting me, inviting us on to, to, to yap a little bit about uh, effective strategies when it comes to recruiting. Um, maybe I'll do a quick little intro and, and I'll, I'll throw, I'll, I'll start off with this also a little bit for those that are on, I'm going to try to save a fair amount of time at the end. Um, I, you know, it's, it's one thing to have someone talking at you. Um, I think it's a lot more fun when maybe you think of some ideas or thoughts or questions and you want to pepper Sarah with some chats and some, and some comments and she'll throw them back to me. And then we can take the conversation in whatever direction you like. I think, I think that's usually more impactful. Um, little quick intro on, on me and, and model match. My, my business partners and I have been, uh, partnering with mortgage bankers and financial services organizations for 20 years now, helping those organizations, grow and expand, um, usually specifically helping them expand their revenue generating channels on the mortgage side, retail, wholesale, correspondent. We also supported non-sales positions and continue to, um, and executive level positions as well. But we, we had a company that came out of the, really didn't come out of the ashes of the crash, 2008, 2009. It, it, we doubled down on the industry back then. We had been doing it before. Um, we'd had some success. Uh, the world came to an end. I know a lot of us on the call probably lived through that. But we saw continued value in supporting the mortgage industry. And so we didn't get away from it. We didn't get into healthcare. We didn't go sell pharmaceuticals. We stayed in the industry. We doubled down. And we built a company called Hammer House. Um, and Hammer House was exactly that, a recruiting firm that partnered with mortgage bankers looking to expand. In the midst of all of that, we developed a process that we called Model Matching. It wasn't the name of a company at the time. It was just a process. And we're going to talk a little bit about those processes today because they relate to some best practices, maybe put maybe some, some ideas and thoughts in your head that can support some efficiencies in your own strategic growth. Uh, and your, your prospecting, your conversations, your offers, and ultimately your hires and your retention as well. Um, in 2018, we started Model Match. Model Match is a software platform. It's a, it's a SaaS platform that anybody can use, uh, a branch manager, regional, head of production, an entire organization across all of their leadership, internal recruiting and external recruiting to support visibility, accountability, efficiencies, and collaboration in their overall recruiting process. Think a little bit like a loan traveling through the LOS. Model Match is really designed to treat recruiting, relationship building, and strategic growth as a process very much the same way. Um, as we think about efficiencies, you know, I was, I was on a live stream a little while ago and we, we were having a conversation. It made me think about the tools and resources, technology or otherwise, that we all use today to create efficiencies in lots of the things that we do. And, you know, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm blue collar. Um, just as a human being, I'm pretty blue collar. My, my dad used to joke around and say that, you know, the world needs ditch diggers also. No offense to ditch diggers that are actually making money digging ditches, but um, I actually uh, would love to be able to make enough money to do that all day long. But there's a lot of ways to dig ditches. You can get on your knees 
and you could put your hands in the dirt and you can start digging. You can dig a ditch that way. Next step is, you know, you could go get an auger. Next step is you go get a backhoe. The next step is you go get an excavator. The reality is you can dig a ditch either way, but those tools, those resources create efficiencies to maybe just put you in a position to dig those ditches a little bit more effectively. So maybe that's a horrible analogy, but nonetheless, um, that's kind of where my mind is when I think about best practices to an effective recruiting strategy. So let's jump in and talk a little bit about it. I'm going to share my screen. If something goes wrong, it's 100% Sarah's fault. Just kidding, Sarah. All right, let's see here. Okay, Sarah, did that work? Can you confirm? Yes, it looks good. Okay, so we see the key elements of effective recruiting strategy on the screen. Yes. Okay, perfect. All right, let's just jump in really fast because I want to I want to move through this. What you're getting ready to see is we, we've put together boot camps. We've put together coaching sessions. Um, I do speaking engagements. And uh, this is sort of taking a two or three hour boot camp or session and scaling it down to about 15 or 20 minutes. So it's Jillian Gwynn, who's one of our leaders on the success side for our customers, was joking around that that this was like the spark notes for 101. I might call it the thug notes, but nonetheless, it is the the, the wildly condensed version. So let's blast through that and then we can we can start to go through some questions. Okay, number one. Some of the biggest differences between companies that are successful in building a valuable recruiting pipeline and then seeing opportunities and outcomes from that pipeline are just simply the ones that have a process that create efficiencies versus the ones that don't. You know, recruiting is one. First of all, let me also say I hate the word recruiting. Anybody on the call today, if you can come up with a word, a quick catchphrase word that could replace the word recruiting when it comes to what you know, most of you are attempting to do if you're looking to build your organizations, which is build relationships with opportunities, people, branches, wholesale account executives, acquisitions that have a transferable book of business. They don't need a job. They don't have resumes posted on Indeed. Those are generally not the people that you're looking for. Um, and with those types of opportunities, it does take a process. It's not an event. It's not an it's not a transaction. And I don't like the word recruiting when it comes to the process that that it takes to build to identify, build relationships, establish trust, and then hopefully partner with someone who doesn't need a job. So number one, have a process. And part of that process, a really good first step is to identify who are you as an organization, not only corporately, but who are you locally as well? You know, your corporate value proposition is one thing, and there are going to be things about that corporate value proposition that are locked down. And then there are things that are specific to the local leadership and the local market that you're in. Over the years, through 20 plus years of, of helping, partnering with companies uh, recruit and grow and also doing it ourselves, we've identified six core components or six core competencies that really exist between an organization and those within the organization or the ones that you want to identify. The other thing that I'll throw out is we do an annual loan officer survey and we've been doing it for a long time. And those surveys consistently come back telling us that these are the six things that are those shared core components. One is business. So who are you relative to the obvious things? Product mix, purchase to refi, volume, where does the business come from, referral sources, things like that. Number two, leadership, who's running the organization. Um, how does that, how does the leadership create an opportunity for a voice with other people within the organization? There's a lot of bullets underneath each one of these. 
Another one is culture, which is an elusive term. Culture is something that I don't think you can put down on a piece of paper, but you can show someone as you get to know them and they get to know you and like you and trust you. And that takes time. And it also takes the opportunity for them to meet other people within the organization through a process that bolts on to the things that are most important to them. Number four, operations. Obviously, what kind of efficiencies do we have on the operation side? How do we manage those processes? Technology, what does our tech stack look like? How does that tech stack create value? And then geography, where are we? Where are we headquartered? Where do we have branches? Where are we licensed? Where does our business model create value? And one thing to think about when you go through these six core components, if you're going to do an exercise as an organization, and we've done these exercises with a lot of organizations and local branches, is think about who you are across these core components with bullets. You know, identify bullets underneath each core component, but then think about validating stories. Who have we created value for that's a recruit that's now with our company or a referral partner that we're doing business with, where we can tell a story about one of these core components and bolt that story onto how that story created value for the originator or how that story created value for a referral partner. There's a couple of reasons why these things are important. And, and as we skip to the next thing, you know, now you want to identify who these people are that you want to build those relationships with, not just who you are and what their core components look like. All along the way, a couple of things to be thinking about. One, every one of these things, as you communicate your value proposition to a possible recruit, the question is, how does it create value for them? And how do those things create value for their referral partners? Because otherwise, all they're thinking in the early stages is you're recruiting me so that you can get an override off of me. You're recruiting me so that my volume can create value for your PL. But if you think about these core components and you ask open-ended questions and you get to know those individuals and what their, what their business looks like, well, you can bolt those core com components onto something that creates value for them or something that creates value for their referral partners. Okay, we'll jump off of this. This is a topic we could spend an hour and a half on, but this is something to, for everybody to think about. Before you get started recruiting, know who you are and know what your opportunities ought to look like and how they match up with your core components. All right, next up, define your criteria. So again, we haven't made a phone call yet. We haven't started sending emails out. We haven't done any drip marketing campaigns. We haven't started using LinkedIn or social media. We're doing the work on the front end to figure out who we are, who are uh, who are uh, opportunity, what they look like um, so that they match up with our core components. And now we need to start defining our criteria. So what is criteria? Okay, I want to go into Charlotte, North Carolina, and I want to grow my mortgage presence with originators or branches in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, Mecklenburg County, I don't know how many licensed uh, loan officers there are, how many MLS IDs there are, but for argument's sake, let's say there's about 2,000, which I, I think is about right. Well, there are data tools. Model Match has built one called Market Insights that would allow you to go into that tool. And by the way, there's other places to get data from as well, where you can identify your geography. You can come up with a minimum expectation relative to things like purchase to refi, volume, product mix, and licenses. And then essentially click a button and find out, okay, there might be 2,000 NMLS IDs in Mecklenburg County, in Charlotte, North Carolina. But I don't have time to call 2,000 people. And by the way, 80% of those 2,000 don't meet my core competencies or my criteria. Well, that data can now put us in a position to identify the smaller handful that do meet that, 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 that will meet that criteria. And here's something else to, to, to think about. One of the biggest challenges in recruiting is time. 
well, this is something that creates efficiencies. If I'm a local branch manager and I need to add three or four loan officers into my branch to help support the PL or just simply to, co- to continue to grow the market, I don't have time to call 2,000 NMLS IDs, but I certainly have time to chip away on a weekly or monthly basis and identify the 20 or 30 or 40 that meet my criteria uh, across uh, some of these components that we just talked about. And it's hard for me to say that those are not people that I should be attempting to build a relationship with. So that's that's the first step. Um, define who you are and define your criteria. All right, as we keep going, these are just some screenshots that give you some ideas of, of this is our tool, this is Market Insights, but there are other tools as well where you can go look for data, look, go into a market, identify individuals, build a list, Add those people into a product and then start or into a pipeline, excuse me, a project, and then start to take action on the people within that project. Okay, now let's get into process. So um, at Model Match, one of the things that we identified was you ought to know who you are across share core components with the individuals that you're looking to build a relationship with. The other thing is define your criteria so you can build a pipeline, add it to a project, and then you're in a position to start to take action. Let me back up and say one other thing about the core components as well. One of the things that's really important about understanding who you are as an organization, it makes it a whole lot easier to move a conversation forward. If I don't know how to communicate my value proposition across those core competencies, well, then when somebody tells me that technology stack is important to them to create efficiencies, to drive more business in less time, if I'm not an expert on my tech stack, I can't set a next action to be able to talk about that tech stack. All right, we'll get off of that for just a second. All right, now we've got our pipeline built. We've got the individual opportunities that meet the criteria that we're looking for. We're an expert and we feel confident in communicating our value proposition. It's time to start making touches. We talked about market insights, data. That's one place to go find opportunities. Social media, LinkedIn. I know that's a place where a lot of us like to go connect with individuals. That's not a bad place at all. One thing I will say is that relying on social media and LinkedIn alone is not going to do anything for you. You still need to, to, to talk to that person. You know, we're in an industry that's highly relational. It's, it's relationship driven. People work with people and people leave people. However, there is value into connecting with people in social media. But when you do connect with them, let's say you connect with somebody on LinkedIn, they hit you back and they connect with you. Add them to your pro- project. And then take action on them, make a phone call. Hey, thanks for connecting with me. I'm surprised that we don't already know each other and begin the process of building that relationship. Old school ways also, local events and networking. You know, I know during COVID and the lockdown, we weren't going to a lot of these events, but these are opening up now. I've been going to a lot of events lately. And it's one thing for me to meet somebody, get their business card, if anybody's actually using business cards anymore, get their business card. But what am I doing with that once I grab that card or I grab that contact information? Have a place to store that information and then go take action on it. Also lean on who you know and ask. So tier one, tier two, tier three, tier one, immediate sphere of influence. Heck, that could be people like processors and underwriters in your branch or in your region that have worked with other originators or other branches in the past. Are you asking them who they've had good experiences with? And then when you find out those names, are you adding them to a project that you can then take action on? Tier two, those are people that trust your tier one. So you get a name from a tier one and you get an opportunity to mention that tier one name when you call that person. Again, have a place where you can store that data. 
And then number three, park benches. I'm joking around about that a little bit, but if we all remember back in the day, you know, you'd go to the park, you'd see a park bench or a bus stop bench, and you'd see a loan officer or a real estate agent that's advertising on that bench. The problem with that is you have there's you have no connection or no reason why you should really make that phone call other than an advertisement. Chances are those tier threes are a waste of time. Let me back up for just a second. One thing that you'll notice, I put the word prequal next to prospects. The muscle that we already have built is how we track a loan through the LOS. Well, think about that same muscle as you're going through this process as well. A prospect is someone you don't have a relationship with yet, but, but you've identified them as an opportunity because they meet specific criteria, very similar to a prequal as a loan starts traveling through the LOS. Next stage would be processing. So those are candidates in, in our world as we stage them. A candidate is somebody that you've talked to. You've had a conversation with them. They know who you are. They know who you're with, but they haven't agreed to an action yet. They haven't agreed to an actual meeting. In this case, they're not saying no if you're going to keep them in your pipeline. The door is open, even if it's just cracked a little bit. And one thing to think about, even when somebody does say no, sometimes you got to work for it. When somebody says no, a lot of times they're not really saying no. They're just saying not now. It could be because they're busy. It could be because they're happy where they are. Um, but the reality is they don't have a relationship with you yet. You haven't had a chance to talk about the value proposition. And just because they say no, push a little bit harder, put them on a drip campaign, follow back up in 30, 60, 90 days. One thing we all know is this is a dynamic industry and things change. So be real careful. Now, if somebody's jerky, they hang up on you, they curse at you, or you find out something really, really negative about them. Well, same is true from an efficiencies perspective. Disqualify them and get them out. Don't waste your time in places where you don't have the opportunity for that desired outcome. Finally, set a future to do. Again, this isn't an action. You don't have a meeting set up, but make sure you have an environment where you can set a follow-up task to remind you to do something. Look, there's one of the worst things that can happen in recruiting, in my opinion. You have a conversation with someone, it's pretty good. They don't say yes. They don't agree to a meeting, but they also weren't rude. They didn't hang up on you. The doors at least cracked a little bit. You get busy three or four months later, you go on LinkedIn and they saw it. You see that they joined your competition. It's a bad place to be. Set a future task and manage those tasks. Next up are meetings. These are people that have agreed to an actual meeting with you. That means a time and a date that's confirmed upon. And ideally, there's a calendar invite. Um, that's an action. So track the action, have an environment where you can schedule a meeting event, um, where you can schedule a Teams or a Zoom or a face-to-face -face and hold each other accountable to it, but also a spot where you can track it, again, like a loan traveling through the LOS. When you do meet with that person, um, to be able to maintain them in the environment where their value is at the meeting stage, and again, one of the things that's nice about having an environment where you can track your pipeline and where you can track the value of that pipeline is that not every opportunity has the same value because of the stage that they're in or because of the volume that they do or the product mix that they do. So anyway, have you meet with this person, always end that meeting with uh, an attempt at a follow-up action. If you talked about the history of the company, maybe the next action is to talk a little bit about your, your operations. If you've talked about ops, maybe the next action is to talk about technology. Again, go back to those six core components that we just talked about. That's your roadmap to know what it is you should attempt to set next, but always be thinking about the person you're talking to and make sure whatever you set next creates value for them. Okay, as we're at meeting, that person's kind of like a loan at underwriting. 
you know, we're getting further and further in, you know, through the LOS. Offer, okay, great. Now we're clear, clear to close, docs out, we're getting really close. One of the one question, and this is a spot where, where a lot of people make mistakes. You get to offer because you want to get to offer. You're excited, you're pumped up, it makes you feel good that this person is tracking and you get to tell your boss or your regional, or your head of production, yeah, I got this person at, 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 at offer and they're a $50 million LO or they're a $300 million branch. Well, one question you should be asking yourself and them, most importantly, them is, what else do you need to know to be in a position to make a decision about partnering with each other? It's a real non-confrontational way to make sure that before you get into economics, that you've, you're kind of doing full doc hiring, as an example. Again, comparing it to a loan. Is there anything else that they don't know yet? The, the, a bad spot to be in is to get to the offer stage, talk about economics, feel like you're in a good spot. And then they say, well, hold on, hold on. Could we go back through your product mix? Or could we do another run through pricing? Or, hey, do, 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 what kind of CRM do you guys use? I forgot to ask. So now you, 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 you've just taken the exciting moment and you've moved back two or three steps. So make sure you ask that question before you jump the gun. The other thing you should ask yourself is, do you know why this person would partner with you? And the answer can't be money. If the answer is money, well, that's okay sometimes, but just know that you're throwing a wild card out there because there's probably other companies that are also trying to entice that individual with money. Ideally, you want to be in a place where you know why they're joining your company. You know how you and your organization create efficiencies for them and their referral partners that helps them do more business in the same amount of time or the same amount of business in less time. So again, make an effort to find out those things before you get to offer. Okay, as we keep going, hire. Well, hire, we're now at funding and servicing. They're in the seat, so to speak. Um, make sure you've got a process in place to retain those people. You know, I think we all follow things like Stratmore benchmarking, and generally the industry is running between 25 and 35% attrition rate, which is a really big number. And a lot of times that's just simply because you didn't go through a consistent and predictable process to build trust with the individual that you're partnering with. So they know exactly why they're there. They know exactly what to expect. Um, make sure that you have future action sets set once they join so that there are no surprises and you can continue to create value for them. The other thing I would say about the higher stage is that it, this is process is a circle. As you've built trust with an individual, make sure you're asking them who else they've worked with. Who are they competing with? Who do they have a good relationship with? Because those names, while they're feeling so excited about partnering with you, those are the next opportunities that you now load into your prospect stage and the and the process starts over again. All right, as we keep tracking, have an environment whether it's an Excel spreadsheet or some tool, Model Match was built to be a tool to be that tool where you can track, where you have visibility, accountability, efficiencies, and a collaborative environment where you can track the evolution of your pipeline. You know, I get questions sometimes about, hey, I've been doing this work in in the XYZ market for 10 months and we haven't gotten a hire yet. Well, my question is going to be, what's the value of your pipeline? And a lot of people can't answer that question. You can do it as you're coaching a loan officer relative to their pipeline. So make sure you have an environment where you can do that relative to your recruiting efforts and your recruiting pipeline as well. That'll tell you the story about whether or not you're going down the right path and you're delaying gratification or if, or if you need to make a change. All right, setting impactful actions. How are you creating value for them? Look, this is one of the biggest mistakes that I find are, are, are made in the recruiting process. Even if someone is pretty decent at identifying their value proposition, building a, a list, loading it into a project, and making phone calls, it's ending, a, it's ending a meeting or a conversation without the suggestion 
of an action. Hey, it was great talking to you, Thomas Jingle, this person that's up on my screen. Um, here's what I suggest. You know, you mentioned to me that XYZ is important to you. I'd love to schedule some time next Tuesday morning. How's your calendar look like? I'd love to bring my laptop and show you what we're doing on the technology side. Make the effort to set the action. If you can't set the action, that person in your pipeline has less value than the ones that actually have a future defined action. All right, a couple final thoughts and then I'll stop. And hopefully that leaves us a little bit of time for everybody to pepper me with some questions. Number one, leverage what's in front of you. Create multiples. Here's what I mean by that. And let me get my head on my screen out of the way. Here's what I mean by that. You know, one loan plus one loan equals two loans. One recruit plus one recruit equals how many recruits? Well, hopefully it's a lot more than one. Same thing with referral partners. As you coach your loan officers to go get more business, the first thing is what referral partners are we not working with that would help us create a multiple? Well, there's ways you can do that within your recruiting pipelines as well. When you're talking to someone and you're building a relationship, ask questions that are going to lead you to your next prospects. Ask questions that are going to lead you to organizations that maybe line up well with yours that you should be focusing on. Those multiples, those opportunities create efficiencies and will get you where you want to be a little bit quicker. Process over event. Recruiting is a process. It's not an event. If you treat it like a transaction, it's going to treat you like a transaction. You're going to see much higher attrition rates and you're not going to have multiples. You're not going to put yourself in a position to really not ever have to recruit again in that market because hopefully you reach a point where you have relationships with everybody you need to have a relationship with. And now it's just about timing. Next one, intentional engagement using uh, utilizing social media and drip campaigns. I have no problem with drip campaigns. I have no problem with social media campaigns. But what I have a problem with is thinking that those things can stand on their own. Again, at the end of the day, people join people. You don't build trust through drip campaigns. You don't build trust through social media campaigns. Now, if you're consumer direct or call center, maybe it's a little bit different. But if it's distributed and your business is being driven by referral partners that can work with other people, Make sure you have a process that follows up those drip campaigns with human warm calls. And then the last thing I'll say is resiliency. Um, it, it, that's, a, that's a word that I think is really important. We're in an environment right now where the market is really, really difficult. That's going to change. And then it's going to change again. The more valuable your recruiting pipeline is, and I'm not just talking about the people that are joining you, but your pipeline, the more resilient you can be when markets adjust that are outside of your control. You can control this work. You can control the development of your recruiting pipeline. But if you wait until it's too late, you don't have a pipeline that provides resiliency in a difficult market. All right, Sarah, I'm sorry that went a little bit longer than I, I, I was hoping to go, but anybody that knows me knows I'm a yapper. So um, <laughs> I'd love any questions, comments, chats. I'd, I'd love to get peppered. So um, let me kill my screen and uh, we can have at it. Well, thank you so much, Eric. I do have a question here. Why do internal recruiters sometimes not create value? Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I actually get that question. Over the years, I've gotten that question a fair amount. So I, I'll give you an example, maybe a quick story. So, you know, we're, we're talking to a regional manager who needs to grow their region. And we ask them about the resources that they currently have or um, have they ever worked with recruiters before? And sometimes we get comments, well, we have internal recruiters, but they don't create any value for me. Most of the time, here's what I find, um, Sarah and whoever asked that question. It is that there's the lack of process. There's a lack of accountability. There's a lack of visibility. There's not a partnership 
both ways. And without those things, you're basically asking your internal recruiting partner to just go make it rain. And you're waiting for the, the gold to fall down from the sky. Recruiting doesn't work like that. If you're going to invest in an internal recruiter, make sure you're investing in the processes and the tools to put both of you in a position to be successful. Look, it would be very similar to like, I'm an originator and I have a processor and an underwriter, but we're not living in the same process or the same LOS. That's a problem. I'm going to think that my processor is terrible. I'm going to think that my underwriter is terrible. That's probably not the case. It's probably that the process and the visibility and the collaboration is broken or it never existed. Very good point. Yeah. Well, um, if there's no, oh, there might be another question here. Okay. So when it comes to attempting to connect with your candidates for the first time, what would you say the best method is to do that? Phone, email, or text? Yeah. Great question. Um, I think everybody's a little bit different than this. I, I, it's probably not what you want to hear, but I don't think that there's a one size fits all or a perfect scenario. I will tell you that the best recruiters that I have found, and it, I don't mean just recruiters, remember a branch manager, a regional, a head of production, you all are recruiters as well. Um, a great story. Somebody told me once a regional manager out in the Pacific Northwest, she picked up the phone. She did the blocking and tackling. It took her a long time, but every day she time blocked about an hour. And after about a year, what she told me was I wasn't recruiting anymore. I knew all the people I needed to know. I had relationships with all the people I needed to have relationships with. And I was setting actions. That was her though. She's not afraid to pick up the phone. She's not afraid to talk through objections. If you're going to use email or text messaging, Look, text messaging is good, but the problem with, because it's a little bit more personal, but remember the problem with text messaging is if they, if they decide to block you, <laughs> you're not getting another shot. Like you, you're, you're sort of dead to them and you're going to have to try a little bit harder to get back in their iPhone or their Samsung or whatever. Same thing with emails. If you're going to start it that way, make sure you follow up with a call. Here's another suggestion though. Instead of doing it that way, also think about social media. A great way to make a, an initial connection with someone is to connect with them on social and then promote them. Make them feel good about themselves. When they, put, when they make a post or they put something out there, comment, share it, make them feel good. I bet you when you do that and then you make a phone call, they're gonna be more likely to talk to you. But again, track it. Because every action has to have a follow-up action. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen with one in one step. And I'll tell you, if it does happen in one step, you should be scared to death. Because if the person joins you that quick, they'll probably leave you just that quickly. I agree. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Um, if there's no other questions, we will go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, don't forget, you can always um, get in contact with myself or Eric if you have any other questions. And if you were unable to view this live, you can go ahead and view it or share it on YouTube or download it as a podcast via our channel on Buzzsprout. Yeah. And Sarah, would it be okay if I gave out my email address? Is that okay? Yes, of course. Yes. And if you want to type it in anywhere, feel free to do that as well. But if anybody wants to email me questions, thoughts, comments, anything, um, my email address is eric.levin at modelmatch.com. That's E-R-I-C dot L-E-V-I-N at modelmatch.com. By the way, just to point out, I'm sporting the TMC hat today. So um, <laughs> all, my, all, all my friends at TMC, thanks for the hat. And uh, luckily it matches the model match colors as well. So it worked out. Of course. Well, thank you so much, Eric. Yep. Thank you, Sarah. 
For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.